Talk Live. We're starting out hour number one, and you can take control of the airwaves. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll free line. And it is Ian here with you. And Mark. Of course, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, completely free. Those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for access to their websites. We do it free. Freetalklive.com. Turning to start things out here tonight to the our friends over at the Advocates for Self-Government. We've had Sharon Harris on the show. She's the president of the Advocates. It's a wonderful organization uh, devoted to helping libertarians become better communicators. And I, I'm a huge fan of this organization. I've, uh, I've been a uh, supporter for a while, or, or at least a uh, supporter, not necessarily monetarily, though I have purchased some things from their, their store in the past. But I do enjoy what they do. They've got great products. They've got books and, and audio tapes and CDs that are all focused around essentially making you a better libertarian communicator. Because the fact is, we've got the best ideas I mean, we do. It's a fact, and, and it's it's very difficult to debate libertarian, pro libertarian, pro liberty ideas. Um, you know, in the political arena, very difficult. Right. We've got the best ideas, but if you can't effectively communicate those ideas, even though they might be the best, you're going to lose opportunities to help people understand what it is that we're offering. And so the guys at the advocates, the guys and gals at the advocates, do a fantastic job. Of, uh, of helping people get better at that. And I want to uh, get to uh, some, some highlights from their latest Liberator Online, uh, which is their, they've, they've got about 70,000 subscribers. It's an email-based publication. It comes out on a bi-weekly basis. And uh, it's just fantastic. There's always some great information in there, including uh, the latest about what has happened over in Iceland, uh, which small government people will, uh, will find very interesting. And uh, Americans, in a new poll... Believe it or not, they say government doesn't work. Really? So uh, we'll get to all that. They more. generally do say that, but then their problem, their solution is making more government, government work. Government, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go to the phones first, though, and talk to Tim in Illinois. Tim, who always has his window down. Tim. Yeah, sorry. You're on Free Talk Live. It's, it's the phone. I'm way out in the country. What's on your mind, sir? Um, well, I pimped the idea of Free Talk Live to my local radio station. Great. And they shot me down. Oh. How so? They don't. They don't like to put um, uh, non-local radio shows on, on their airwaves. Where, where do you live in Illinois? Uh, Kankakee. I don't never even heard of it. Is it near Chicago? Yeah, it's about 60 miles south of Chicago. Okay. Well, that's unusual. Huh. Normally, normally the, um, the, the stations that have all local content are in bigger markets because they just can't afford to pay. Uh, it, local staff to be on all day and all night. You're telling me you've got a, you've got you're in a relatively smallish market and you've got a 24-hour local station. Yeah, that's amazing. I don't know. Uh, the, the only thing that they put on that's not theirs is between 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. They have um, uh, Fox Sports Radio on. Ah, uh, okay. And that's the only thing that they run from. 6 6 well, you know, you, you can't win, you can't win them all. All you could do is, you know, maybe call back in another four four months or something like that, and just say, hey, you're still out there, still want that content. Or if there's a competitor in town, definitely give them a call. That's where I well. go. It, it chances it, it, it seems very unlikely that there would be a, a totally local content uh, small market station like that, or even mid market station um, on the AM yeah. dial. So I would think that there would be a competitor that's mostly uh, syndicated. syndicated. Right. So look around well, for that. That's and that's the only. Uh, uh, it's the only station. Is, is while I was on the, uh, on the phone with the guy, he really liked me. 
and he was thinking about maybe putting an interview together to maybe put me on the air. Because hey, I told him that I expressed interest in uh, in radio. That's and fantastic. So my, my question for you guys was, where do you guys usually go for show content? Oh, like, all over the place. place. I mean, to look for you know stuff, stuff you know all over the United States. Probably the uh, probably the most popular website for any radio show host or any TV host or anybody who's putting uh, putting together a, a program content uh, to go to would be fark.com. F-A-R-K. Dot okay. com. Great website. And then just, you know, uh, I make my way around the news sites, ABC News, Drudge Report, uh, that sort of thing. But Fark's got some real offbeat stories, some fun stuff, interesting top ten lists, that sort of thing. And so good luck with that. Let us know how it goes, Tim. Thank you, sir. Appreciate, right, appreciate the call. It. 800-259-9231. Hey, parlay it into your own radio show. Uh, you know, That's I'm, fantastic. I'm all for pro-liberty radio shows. Get the message out there. Um, a, a little bit of Please practice. imitate me. A little bit of practice, and you, you get a real good eye for the... Uh, the news stories that are going to, uh, you know, that you're going to be able to slant in a pro-liberty fashion. Right. And let's also talk just a little bit, since he brought it up, let's talk about uh, programming a radio station and essentially what goes on with, with program providers like us. And there are all these networks out there that are trying to push their content on these stations. And they've got affiliate relations people. We had our guy, Hakeem, on the show a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. to introduce him. Well, there are people, there are entire departments at, like, Clear Channel. They've got their premier radio networks, and then there's uh, CBS Radio. They've got their own department, ABC. They've got their syndicated. These guys are calling radio program directors all day, every day, trying to pitch them new shows, trying to get them to add a show that they haven't added yet. And, and of course, the answer from a program director is always, well, I'm fine with my, my, my content's fine. Sure. 98% of the time, that's what your response is going to be. Well, we're fine. We've got Fox Sports News on at night in that station's particular case. But you never know when something's going to change. Uh, and it can change in a heartbeat. All of a sudden, tomorrow, Fox News might just decide to break their contract and go on to the new sports station that opened up in town. And then those guys will be all of a sudden looking for new content. And if they've heard Free Talk Live from you and they've seen a, seen our ads in the trade publications, then they might think about Free Talk Live. Absolutely. Um, you know, you always hear that word of mouth advertising is the best sort of advertising. It's free. It's extraordinarily effective. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about here. Um, it doesn't take a program director to have heard the name Free Talk Live too many times that it's going to pop up on his radar when he's looking for a show the next time. Yep. So it even if he's saying no right now, it doesn't necessarily mean no in six months. So it wouldn't hurt to call back in six months just to check in and let him know you still care about hearing our show on his station. 800-259-9231. Oh, and by the way, if you're interested in contacting your local stations, just go to local.freetalklive.com, and all the details are there. That's local.freetalklive.com. To Tom in the United Kingdom, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind, Tom? I just thought I'd call you up and tell you about a few crazy stories that, um, that, that, that are going on in the U.K. I, you know what? I don't know if I can handle it. That uh, popping There's is a terrible. popping on your, on your line. I w- what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you on hold. And uh, we'll see if we can make that better, maybe during the break or something like that. Maybe have you call on another line. or uh, it's, it's a VoIP line, you can tell, coming from overseas. And who knows, there might be some sort of packet loss or something like that. Um, so 1-800-259-9231. It might have been tolerable, but we'll try it again. You're uh, just cranky about audio, that's all. Well, you know what? You don't want people to tune in, hear crackly noises, and then tune out because uh, it was uncomfortable. But he's got that interesting British accent. He does. Uh, liberal poll. Americans say government doesn't work. This from the Advocates for Self-Government. There's, a great new, uh, there's great news for libertarians in a new poll commissioned by the liberal organization, Democracy Corps. 
The poll questioned a representative group. I don't group. know who they are, but they sound awful. The poll questioned a representative group of 1,014 likely U.S. voters, all of whom voted in 2004. And Democracy Corps was stunned by these results. Responses, uh, respondees were asked, If the federal government were to receive additional money, do you think the additional money is more likely to be spent well or is more likely to be wasted? Only 13% of these American voters thought the federal government would spend any additional money well. Which means, hold on, and now, here's what I wonder about people like this. What do they think is um, the money that's being spent now? Are they, they think it's well or poorly? Because I have With to say, a response like 13%, it can't be very well. I would, I would say that if um, 87% didn't come back and say poorly, then the poll doesn't make any sense. The people don't make it. The people who answered in the poll don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Look, if additional money is going to be spent poorly, the money they they're getting is being spent poorly. Government spends money poorly every single time. Only 30% of respondents agreed with this statement. Government does more to help people get ahead in life. 30%. 30% agreed with that. However, fully 57% agreed with, quote, government mostly gets in the way of the economy and job growth. Mm, it is true. 34%... Now, the economy is helping people get ahead in life, right? It's job gro- um, a job helps people get ahead in life. Mm-hmm. So even those 30%. 34% agreed that government mostly stimulates the economy and job growth. So um, only a third of Americans agree with that statement. That's good news. The government can't stimulate the right. economy, so, except by getting out of it. Once again, Americans, and there's, there's a little bit more information from the study here, uh, just some more interesting statistics on what Americans think. And again, it has a lot to do with the way questions are asked. So we've heard contradictory things in the past here. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the packet, 8.net. Toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The bulletin board system's there. We've got over 200,000 posts. We have over 1,500 people interacting, and it's all completely free. Fun stuff, serious issues. You'll find it all discussed at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs. .freetalklive.com and the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to talk with New Hampshire natives and those who've made the move here and discuss the progress in the future of the Free State Project and tour New Hampshire on special Free State Project bus tours or on your own. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Apparently, there's been a study done recently in America by uh, some liberal organization named Democracy Corps, and they apparently were stunned by the results, and the results were essentially that Americans, um, actually, in this particular How case... How did we get the results if they were stunned by them? It wouldn't seem like they would be uh, all fired, ready to uh, you know, put those out there. If they were... Yeah, that's a good question, but they did. Uh, maybe there was some other results that they liked that aren't really highlighted here by the advocates. But anyway, um, they interviewed over 1,000 U.S. voters, all who had voted in 2004. So this isn't really representative of Americans. It's representative of American voters. Uh, Anyway, some interesting numbers that essentially say government doesn't work. A majority, 54%, agreed that government mostly gets in the way of the economy and job growth. Respondees were asked to pick which of these two statements they most identified with. Statement A I want Congress to first invest in areas like health care, education, and energy, even if it means spending additional money. Or Statement B, 
I want Congress to first focus on cutting wasteful spending and making government more accountable. Only 36% chose the bigger government answer, A. 58% chose the smaller government answer, B. Here are some ex- excerpts from the analysis by Democracy Corps of their poll results. Quote, the findings are stunning in the depth and breadth of distrust of government and its leadership. <laughs> Voters have a fundamental belief that government and the politicians who lead it refuse to be held accountable for the way they conduct business. Well, you know, they, they, we've um, the downsizedc.org has proposed this Read the Bills Act uh, over and over again, and they just keep getting shot down because the politicians don't want to be held accountable. Right. The, the politicians run away from light like cockroaches. Republicans and Democrats. Both of them. Yep. How they spend money, whom they listen to when setting their priorities, and how they conduct themselves. Americans now view government as more of a barrier than a helping hand. Did they ever view it as a helping hand? Um, Maybe it, back in... Uh, it seems like, you know, the, the impression I get was, uh, you know, late 60s was a very liberal time, and that the uh, young people had control, and the Democrats, and blah, blah, blah. But I wouldn't say now. And its failure to be accountable in a way that produces results is central to these doubts. So that's good. This is good news. So the more government continues to fail, the more likely it will continue to alienate Americans from the the belief system that government is good and that government can can do things well. So inevitably it will continue to fail. It just can't get anything right as we point out night after night here on Free Talk Live. This is good news. Voters perceive government as slow, cumbersome and unable to move at a fast pace and keep up with the rest of the world. This isn't, you know what, I love the way they're writing this. Voters perceive. Voters have a fundamental belief. It's not necessarily a perception. It's obvious that government is slow. Uh, I mean, they they just can't keep up. As we pointed out the other night, the FBI is still trying to figure out email. (laughs) The public has virtually no confidence in Washington to spend money in a way that gets results. Perhaps the most stunning finding in the survey is that just 13% believe the federal government would spend additional money well, while 83% say it would be wasted. Frankly, voters see little, if anything good, coming out of Washington from either party. Along with a lack of confidence in government, voters broadly believe that government is more of a barrier than a helping hand for people. They overwhelmingly believe that government makes it harder for people to get in, ahead in life rather than helps people. And you know what? They're absolutely right about that. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that people are seeing it. The fact is, if we, get, if we um, drastically slice government uh, way, way down to size or get rid of it entirely, that helps poor people more than it helps anyone else. Because all of government's rules and regulations that are on the surface, supposed to help poor people, actually end up hurting them. They kick out the bottom rungs from the ladder of wealth creation, and they just make it so those people just have to stay down there and languish. Right. The way to get wealthy in the United States isn't winning the lottery. It's opening a business. Um, If I want to open a business, I can hire a lawyer to handle all the crap that um, the government puts in my way as far as opening that business. But a poor person can't do that. They can't hire somebody to take care of the problems, so you have to learn them all yourselves, and that is a daunting task. And some people would rather just work than do that, you know, work at a regular job for somebody else and do that. And it's very, very difficult in the United States to get ahead working for somebody else. Democrats, independents, and Republicans all believe government is a barrier to success by double-digit margins. Similarly, voters tend to believe government stands in the way of the economy and job growth rather than acting as an engine of growth and jobs. Well, duh! 
Of course it can't act as an engine of growth and jobs. They just say they do. The politicians get behind their podiums and they spout off about how they helped create all these jobs and how great government is. Government, uh, even though government, a new bureaucracy might open up and indeed give people jobs, they're not productive jobs. They're not jobs that produce products or services for the, for the most part. Uh, if they are producing a service, they're producing it at a very expensive price and it's not market-based in the least. But for the most part, uh, most government jobs could just go away. And if you want growth and jobs to be created, leaving people to their own volition, leaving people to make their own decisions, starting their own businesses for themselves, that sort of thing, that's the way that jobs and growth happen. That's that's what the American dream has been um, has been throughout the, 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 the entire uh, existence of this country. It's about having your own business and growing it, working hard, and you know providing for your family. Not all this these government regulation regulatory hoops that people have to jump through. Looking at these strongly anti-government results, Mike Lux, president of the leftist organization American Family Voices, was so distraught that he wrote an article with this glorious title: "Big Challenge for Progressives: People Don't Believe That Government Works." Yes, it's a challenge indeed to build a progressive movement for bigger, more intrusive government when vast numbers of people clearly don't believe government works. And that's good news for those who believe in less government and more liberty. And of course, this is a hell of a challenge for those so-called progressives. How are you going to prove to people that government works? It's impossible. All you can do is just lie. That's really all. That's the only card they have in their hand is just to keep lying and obscuring. What really happens, and that is that government and the truth is... I don't understand how people can think the government works. The truth is is government is force, and when you use force on people, you get, in many many cases, the opposite of your intended original results. And it's shown time and time again. Let's go to the phones. Tom is back from the United Kingdom. We're trying him again here. Tom, you're back on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Hey, sounding better. What's on your mind tonight? Um, I just wanted to tell you um, about a story which I didn't really notice until last week, which is about the London Olympics in 2012. Okay. And it's a very good reason why uh, you guys in the States should avoid the Olympics like the plague. Really? Back in 2003, uh, the government were putting together their bid for the Olympics to be in London. Mm -hmm. Um, And they hired a um, consultancy firm and ask them how much would it cost. And oh boy, governments and costs. This is going to get good, I can tell. Hang on, Tom. We'll bring you back. 800-259-9231. I can only imagine what sort of boondoggles are involved in uh, getting the Olympics to a country. We'll find out. Tom's got the scoop. 800-259-9231. And you can dial in with whatever's on your mind. Also, an Icelandic success story coming up. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you bring up what you want toll-free. 800-259-9231, the packet 8.net toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free. And that does include the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens and dozens of ladies who've taken the time to add or to send us their validated photo, and we've added them to our website and proved that uh, they listen to our show. In fact, I've got three new Shriners to add at some point over the weekend. So 
we've got a nice little influx of uh, new Shrine submissions. Most popular page on the website. See what I mean by heading over to Shrine.FreeTalkLive.com. Once again, Shrine.FreeTalkLive.com. Now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will, a living trust, a corporation, or a limited liability company. Just in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. Let's go back to Tom in the United Kingdom, giving us the scoop on the situation with cost and the Olympics. What's happening over there, Tom? Okay, so back in 2003, um, the government commissioned a, um, a firm to, to consult on what the cost of the Olympics would be if they decided to run them in London in 2012, mm-hmm. which they subsequently have. They predicted that it would cost 1.75 um, billion pounds, which would basically double that to turn into dollars. Wow. Um, and uh, they said, you know, that's, that's how much it will cost. It's back in 2003. And then they put the bid in. And when they were finalizing the bid, they, the cost had then popped up to about 2.5 billion. Oh, my goodness. Two point five billion dollars to host the Olympics. No, two point five billion pounds. You've got to double that before it becomes dollars. Sorry about that. Uh, two point five billion pounds uh, to host the Olympics. That includes uh, shutting down roads, hiring extra police, that sort of thing. I mean, what other costs are involved there? It's um, basically they're going to build a bloody great big new stadium. Um, they're going to build the an entire outside. stadium. Uh, well, not just one stadium, but all the sp- stadium for different sports. So, like that includes like a big swimming pool and athletics track. Um, wow. Happens, it happens all the time with the, the Olympics. Country. They build new facilities, and then the facilities stay there, and they get used um, afterwards. But, you see, the, the Olympics never makes money for the community. The community always spends much more than, um, than the Olympics brings. Yeah, and um, so they recently and they they won the, um, they won the bid in 2005, actually the day before the um, – July 7th uh, terrorist attacks, um, and uh, then they've been slowly progressing up a little bit, and then last week the real shocker came out, and they said that the total budget is going to be 9.5 billion pounds, <laughs> and that's how much it's going to cost everybody in this country to wow. host the Olympics. Wow, to, to, host a, to host a sport that virtually nobody that I know watches... I guess there yeah. are people that still watch the Olympics, but it's certainly no Super Bowl. I used to watch it, but I am, I, you know, once I started seeing the, uh, the just how the Olympics gets in bed with gov- local governments mm-hmm. and just causes people's tax money to be spent all over, um, I, I just I was so disgusted. I, I don't even want to watch anymore. Well, I mean, some of the other things they've done is um, because they have to rebuild the um, London transport system. To make enough uh, capacity to move people around for the Olympics, they uh, <laughs> dramatically increased the cost of taking the metro system in London. Um, so there. In- hold on a second. So wait. It's so. In addition to the nine billion pounds, they're also increasing the cost of the metro system. Yep. And they so the met, the metro system in London, the tube system, is now the most expensive in the world. Um, it's currently four pounds for a single journey in central oh my London. god it's eight dollars to take a subway ride yeah i mean if you can man that's that a dubious Bay, distinction New York, which is like two dollars or boston which is like one dollar fifty or whatever yeah it's it's shockingly expensive and they now have this thing called the uh, congestion charge which the what is congestion what 
the congestion charge. And what uh -huh. it is is when you drive into central London, they have an army of cameras set up across all of the centre of the city. Mm -hmm. And when you drive in, you have to, um, sometime during the day, you have to pay an £8 charge um, to drive in central London during the week. How is that um, paid? Is, it, um, is there some sort of bill that comes to your house, or are you swiping a card no, in a machine? To, you, you either have to go to, like, um, you have, either have to go to a store, or you have to go to a machine, or you can pay it by phone or on the Internet, or any number of different ways. But they have cameras which will read your license plate and then check that you've paid. And it's currently £8. It was originally £5. <laughs> And then it's gone up to eight pounds. Yeah, and, and that that hasn't been around very long. The congestion charge. I remember we talked about it when uh, when it originally came about. So what, when did that get implemented? What was it like two years ago? Yeah, two years. Uh, no, a bit more than that. About uh, probably about two thousand and three, maybe. Yeah. Um, so about three, you know, four so years it's, ago. It's 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 almost doubled in uh, in or it's, like it's certainly gone up by over fifty percent. Well, in a matter of what years. they're going to do next is they're actually going to be making it so that it's done on a graded system. So based on the grade of the car that you drive, um, basically the, the, the size, the, there's actually like a standard way of grading cars. So like if you've got a very small car, it'd be like grade one, all the way up to you know, whatever grade A, all the way mm -hmm. up to like grade G. Gotcha. Depending on the grade of your car, they're going to hook it up to the registration database to find out the grade of your car. And then charge you based on that. So wait a so, minute. Will the uh, when they actually implement this change, will they lower the low end, or are they just going to keep eight pounds as the the low end? They're going to lower it to about five, and the top end is going to be twenty five. Goodness. Well, what gonna they're going to find out is that they they have just an incredible amount of bureaucrats trying to figure out whether your car's um, grade one, grade two, grade three, or whatever, and uh, matching license plates to. Um, people who've paid and people who haven't paid, they're just going to have to raise the costs all across the board. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not so much a huge army of bureaucrats. What they, we've, we've kind of gone beyond that. We've found the optimum solution, which is that you actually find a lot of people in the private sector, um, consultants, uh, management consultants, IT consultants, and you pay them to tell you what to do in order to implement really expensive, badly run systems. Um, to administer the system for you. Wow, and what a nightmare. Because of the way that the commissioning process works, they always get it wrong and they always overspend. And I think they're now spending about, oh, some, I can't even remember how much it is, ridiculous amount of money they spend on consultants each year <laughs> who basically do nothing. You add to all of this, I mean, the nine billion pounds for uh, for the Olympics, the crazy congestion charges. Now, look, I have no problem if uh, you've got private roads and a private road owner wants to charge a little bit more to drive during rush hour, that sort of thing. That's okay, and that's sort of what they're doing, but it's government, so it's worse and way more expensive than it needs to be. Uh, you've got all these charges and everything, and then add on top of that this, this uh, encroaching police state that you have there in uh, in the United Kingdom. Yeah. Man, it must be hell living there. Well, there was a guy I knew a few years ago who did a... He traveled around the world. Um, basically, he, he sort of set himself a challenge, which is that he's going to travel all the way around the world without flying, and uh, mostly by taking trains and ferries and whatever. Right. And he did it, actually. And he said that he's, he went to, like, loads and loads of different countries, including China, um, they tried to go into Vietnam, but they didn't let him in because he was an American, and, you know, like a load of other places like that. And he, he basically said that um, the most oppressive city he visited in his time traveling around the world was London. And Amazing. It's quite easy to believe. Um, just the amount of hassle I've seen 
just perfectly ordinary people get um, from the police, from the British Transport Police. Are there any... Are there any murmurs uh, from people that you know about how they're getting sick and tired of this? Or are most people up there just like, like most people in America, just the sheep, they're just moving through the system? Is, is there any sort of indication that there's an underground or somebody, some sort of a you know, revolutionary front uh, that li- of liberty lovers against this? Or is it just nothing, no the opposition? Most, the most liberty lovers I've met are probably the people who are involved heavily in the no-to-ID group. Right. Um, we haven't actually got like a formal... Libertarian Party or any kind of really formal uh, liberty structures, wow. and everyone kind of does the same kind of dance they do in the states. Well, are the conservatives going to be libertarian enough for us? No, they're not. They're just going to be sort of socialists with religious conservative crap. And with them. I don't know what it would take to get out of there and, um, and come to the free state, but man, I'd certainly be seriously looking into it. Tom, thanks for the update. Yeah, As always, it, it's keep us clued in. Uh, keep us uh, keep us in the loop as uh, the things continue to develop in a very negative fashion in the United Kingdom. And we'll keep bringing you the news as well. 800-259-9231. To Iceland in a few moments. Richard in Texas, your calls as well. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. Bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. You can also visit us online at freetalklive.com where all the features are totally free. And you'll find out that on our website... We ask that there are a couple of different ways you can voluntarily support the show, like buying some stuff at store.freetalklive.com. At store.freetalklive.com, you'll find various different uh, merchandise, including Free Talk Live t-shirts, Free Talk Live hats. Uh, we've also got DVD, classic, archive, collector sets. In, uh, in, in addition to all that, the Free Marketeer flag and free, that's right, free bumper stickers. So head over to store.freetalklive.com to shop with us and support the show and get some cool gear at store.freetalklive.com. 1-800-259-9231 is the packet 8.net toll free line and Richard is on the line in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey Richard. What are you going to do? Uh, hey, how's it going? Great. What's on your mind? Uh, just calling here from San Antonio, uh, heartland of, of Hagee country. And uh just wanted to bring up that the other day I was watching uh, one of John Hagee's sermons on TV, and he was talking about how when Jesus returns, um, you know, prayer is going to be brought back in the schools, and abortion is going to be made illegal, mm. and just all these different political decisions and polit- political changes when Jesus was going to return. And it seemed kind of weird to me, because, you know, like, whoever said Jesus was going to be some political leader that was going to change government or that government would even continue on after Jesus returned. Yeah, my, I mean, Mark, uh, Mark went to a, a Christian school, so I'm sure he's got a better comment on this. But as I understand it, Jesus was pretty apolitical, right, Mark? Uh, well, uh, he, he was very interested in getting the, uh, the, the politics out of the religion. Yeah, but he never ran for office or anything like that. No. He wasn't leading a political movement, per se, right? Right. So it doesn't seem very, uh, very like, at least according to the, as I understand the, uh, the, what, the what the Bible says, it doesn't even seem even close to what, uh, what well, would happen. What I was trying, what I was trying to bring point out is, is it seems he's talking more of like an antichrist figure, if anything, some kind of political leader that's going to come in the name of Jesus, and and make political changes, you know, and get get some kind of following. I don't know. I, there's not much I can say. I don't believe any of that stuff. So I mean, do you? Hello. Do I? Yeah. Uh, yes, I am. Uh, I'm, a, well, I'm a Christian, and I believe uh, Yahushua is the son of Yahweh, 
and that um, there is, you know, good and bad and the devil and God. And So now who's this uh, John Hagee? Is this a uh, television preacher? John Hagee, he, uh, Cornerstone Church, uh, San Antonio. Um, I don't know. He's, yeah, he's, he's some kind of evangelist preacher. So is he just on, lo- is he just like on the local cable system there or something, or is he known nationwide? Because I never heard of him. Well, he's, he's known, he, he's, he, he talks to, uh, Benny Hinn, and, uh... Mark, you're nodding. Do you understand uh, any of these names? I mean, I, I don't know I know that Benny, Benny Hinn, um, has some very controversial stances on, uh, you know, what... Uh, on the rapture and that kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah, well, there you go. Hey, thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. I'm, normally, I expect to hear more from you on the religion I, topic. The, I don't really know much I, I don't about know about it. the guy's specific, uh, you know, specific beliefs as far as uh, the rapture, Jesus coming back, or anything like that. Um, but, and I mean, with Jesus... I the mean, rapture is a, is a very controversial subject just amongst um, Christians. Right. Now, I mean, just from what you know about it, would would the Jesus come back and uh, and and lead a, the the charge to outlaw abortions? I mean, that doesn't seem like that, that doesn't seem like something that, that it, it he seems would do. completely inaccurate to me. Um, my understanding, and you know, lots of people can debate these issues. Um, Revelations is, is is ambiguous at best. Um, it, it is that uh, Jesus comes back. He you know, all the uh, dead people rise. Uh, basically, the, the good ones are judged and go to heaven. The bad ones are judged and go to hell. There's lots of there's lots of different um, philosophies on this, by the way. But how does that? How long does that process take? Is it instantaneous? Yeah, Jesus comes back. Everybody sees it, and then um, you know the tribu- tribulation uh, occurs, and then uh, after a thousand years, uh, Satan and his uh, one third of the angels are tossed into. I know. The pit. I ask you this every time it comes up, just because I just don't really care that much, and I just want to kind of understand it every single time the issue comes up, and I don't actually internalize it. Uh, so the Jesus comes back, and then uh, instantaneously people see it, and then all the Jesus-worshipping people that are good or whatever, they go up to heaven, and then everybody else stays on earth, and then the tribulation, what's that? Well, um, th- this is one philosophy, okay? This is what has been told to me. Um, and it's, so I'm simply repeating it is uh, for a thousand years, uh, basically Satan has rule over over the earth, and um, you know those that don't have the uh, mark of the beast on their hand or their forehead can't do business. They live in caves. Uh, one would assume with AK-47s and solid gold Krugerrands. Um, so wait, if you don't have the mark of the beast, you okay? Why wouldn't you have the mark of the beast? Because if you take the mark of the beast, then you're, you know, being marked by the beast. You're going to go you're going to go to hell or you're not going to go to heaven depending on what you believe. So, you don't get to eat though if you don't take the mark? Well, you don't get to uh you don't get to participate in commerce. Okay. Okay. And I don't know, you know, hmm. I don't know how uh John, assuming that was really John um the John that that wrote Revelations, believed the mark of the beast would would be um, you know, uh, that people would know that the mark of the beast um, was on everybody, because I mean, it would seem it would seem like you could have um, your servant or whomever, some other person who had the mark of the beast, go and buy your stuff for you and bring it back to you. Right. Well, the, now this is where the, uh, the Satan guy is in charge of everything at that point, right? Right. So maybe yeah, there's maybe there's some sort of somebody watching everyone. Maybe there's some Satan, evil force at, watching. I don't think th- I don't think that that's the case. Uh, my, no. That wasn't my understanding. That uh, you know, the uh, sort of Satan becomes more. Uh, what amazes me is that it's there's the beast and he's supposed to be you know some character um, right. out there and then there's the whore of Babylon and so the beast know. is not Satan it's something else 
that's my I believe so. Uh, you, you're See, really getting just, it. It's this is the most I'm interesting part. It's the most you know? interesting part of the Bible, and it's also the the most poorly Confusing. explained. Um, so you know, lots I can of people say have I'm different confused. theories. And you know what's ama- yeah, and that's what's so amazing about all this this religion thing is that everybody's got their own interpretation. There are different books that people read. They all believe differently as to uh, as to what's going to happen, and all of it is speculation. It's all specul. Much of it is speculation on speculation that was uh, made originally thousands of years ago by a man trapped on an island, <laughs> <laughs> assuming eating psilocybic mushrooms. I don't know. Really. That's I, who was, wrote the revelations. A man trapped on an island, yeah, eating mushrooms. I, I hey hey hey, that's my that's my interjection. Is there evidence for that? No. Oh, so you just made that up? Well, I, see, it's all just made up by people. <laughs> the whole thing made I, up. Nobody I would knows say that there happen. is a great that Mark of the Beast thing is pretty awesome though. Because I mean, did they not just pen real ID? I know that a lot of people are scared about all that. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. If you want to chime in on this, it just seems to me. It's just amazing. As as somebody who is considers uh, themselves an atheist, uh, somebody who's uh, sort of on the outside of all these religions, looking back in, and, and at one time I was a Presbyterian. That's a sect of Christianity. Uh, you know, just looking back on it all, it's just incredible the 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 amount of religions in the world. I mean, there's not just Christianity and uh, and and Muslims and. And whatever the hell the other religions are, there's not just a, a handful. There's thousands of different variations and iterations mm-hmm. of and sects of religions and cults. And, and almost all of them say, if you don't believe our way, you're going to go to hell. Or whatever. You'll be punished. Or- right. Something bad's going to happen to you. And this is where I just have such a difficult time. Um, and this is the reason that I believe the the uh, universalist philosophy, the Unitarian Universalist, that a good God is not going to send a person to hell for not believing a specific religion. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me either. And it's certainly, if there, if, if there were a supreme being of, of that sort, I would not want to worship something like that. It would seem to me that if if there were to be something out there that was worthy of worship, it would be one like you're suggesting that would just let you live your life how you want, don't hurt anybody else, and then you get your reward afterwards. You don't have to follow all these silly rules that uh, are made up by mankind. It, it to me, um, the the God that created us must be a good God simply because He created good and evil. If if he created everything, if there's right? a God and if we cre- he created everything, right. if he created everything, he must be good simply because there is good, and then therefore you can identify good from bad and and those kind of things. And and even bad people want good things for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, thieves don't want to be stolen from. Right. Uh, murderers don't want to be killed. So you know, to me, that's that's you know that's the reason I believe in a good God. You think about but also to you put think- all the rest of the the trappings bes- behind it. I, I really don't. I'm Think about the uh, the different sorts of games and and like the god games that they create, like Sim City and things like that, where there's just so much going on in the game. You can't even as the god uh, in the game, you can't pay attention to everything at once. And really, you just let your little Sims do what they're going to do, and they build their cities and everything. So it seemed that if there was going to be a god, he'd just go and create a world over here, and then he'd go create another one over there. He's get busy, you know, making another. models everywhere. Right? Yeah, whatever. Why? You know, why would it, you want to watch the ant farm? All the time. That's as good of a theory as any other religious theory. I mean, it's they're all the same to me, uh, in that they're all created by people. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the toll free packet eight dot net line. 
and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Hour number two on the way to Iceland will be going shortly. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. We launch into hour number two. In here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features there are totally free. Those other radio shows want to charge for their sites. We give it away at freetalklive.com. And I believe that the claim has yet to be rebutted that Free Talk Live gives away more content for free than any other radio talk show website out there. And, you know, it might even be the case that we give away more stuff for free than the others charge for, but there's no way to tell on that because then we'd have to go around and buy a bunch of subscriptions to the competition in order to determine that. 800-259-9231, your number to call in about anything. Let's go to the phones to Mike in New Jersey. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Mike. Hey, uh, I just want to ask. Um, given that the U.S. government owns the land that we live on in anarchist terms, uh, how is it permissible uh, to take the land for oneself in progress towards anarchism or free marketeerism, whatever you want to call it? How is it permissible to take land from oneself? Can you run that by me again? Well, the way I see it, um, the government's permission to tax us comes from them actually owning the land. Well, it, um, it, that's not the idea, and that's not the way the Constitution was set up. I mean, the idea was that every man's sovereign unto himself and a king of his own little piece of land. Right. They don't actually own the land. It's just that they're an armed gang of people that will uh, come over and try to kick you off of your own land should they decide they don't like you. Anymore. And likely be successful. I mean, I have the title to my house down in Florida. I own my land, at least according to you know tradi- the traditional way of land ownership. Uh, it's just that if I don't pay property taxes, they'll send an armed gang to, to toss me off my land and throw me in a jail cell. So effectively yeah. they own the land, but were we to just cut them down to, uh, way, way down to size or eliminate them entirely, then uh, they wouldn't own anything. Uh, well, that's kind of what I'm referring to, but the idea that they can charge pro- – um, I'm sorry, property taxes um, essentially implies that they're uh, renting it out to you. That is the implication. That much is, is the case. But it's, it's no more um, them owning your land than a highwayman coming and, and pointing a gun in your face um, at your front door and saying that he owns your land. I mean, it's, really, there's no difference between the highwayman and the government except there's just more of the government. So the, the highwayman doesn't own your land either, and nor does the government. Take into consideration the government is, is fiction. It's stuff written down on a sheet of paper. Um, we we all sort of agree to it or or not. I don't. Uh, Ian doesn't. Um, and it, we agree to it in some level or another, but it's still it's fiction. The government really can't own anything unless we just sort of agree to it. So I say the government doesn't own my land. Uh, very well. But to, and also possession. It, you make an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, sure, absolutely. And also possession is nine tenths of the law. The fact is, I'm here on my land, mm-hmm. homesteading this land, improving on the land. The government doesn't have any legitimate claim. There's no in the world of of legitimacy. They have no legitimate claim beyond the force of their violence and their guns. And uh, so well, that's what, we that's need what gives them their legitimate claim. 
Well, I see where you're coming from, but, I mean, if you're talking about what would happen when uh, we were to move towards uh, a lesser government situation, then it would just be a matter of electing our people and having them tell the government, okay, well, now we're going to make property taxes voluntary. So now instead of, you know, the first step... Uh, once you get your people, for instance, if we were to get a bunch of our guys elected here in Keene, we might just decide, okay, well, you know, since I don't really feel like using force on other people, uh, but we still have to sort of cut this government down to size, so there's a bit of a conflict there in that you have to sort of use a little bit of force in order to cut the government down to size. So instead of using force on people, you just simply say, hey, you want to help us cut this government down to size? Voluntarily pay your property taxes, and we'll put it towards reducing the size of government. And then eventually the government will be so small, they wouldn't possibly be able to, uh, to to claim that they own anybody's land, and they won't be threatening people with guns. And, and thank once, you for the call. And, and once they make uh, a gov- you know, uh, property taxes voluntary, the government doesn't own anything. Plus, uh, also, if there's a if there's a mob uh, ignoring the government, if there's a mob of gangsters living down the street from you that come over, uh, that come down uh, come down to your house and again threaten you and your wife or your girlfriend or whatever. They threaten you and say, okay, you, you're going to pay us uh, $500 by the end of this month, or we're going to come you know, kill you. Um, they, don't, they don't own your land. They're just a threatening right. group of people. And when they do finally come to try and kill you, well, you can shoot them first. I mean, because they're trespassing on your land, threatening you. The it's a big, big mob you're talking about, though. Oh uh, no, I was talking about just a regular mob. I'm just telling the you that the government is a big, big mob. Right now, we're you back to shoot, talking about the government. You might shoot some <laughs> lowly little cop who's got a wife and kids and a family who thinks that he's doing the right thing, but um, you're not. I'm not the, advocating you I'm, do that. I'm just the, saying. I only if you're if you're comparing mobs to the government, be careful. Right. So thank you for the call, Mike. We appreciate hearing from you, sir. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. Um, I, I wasn't suggesting that anybody go and do that. I'm just pointing out that if it were just a gang from down the street coming in and trying to rape your wife uh, or take money from you, you would be fully within your rights to shoot those people. Sure. And the, the, the only difference between that gang and the, the gang that is known as government is the semblance of legitimacy. This, uh, this the big cloak, buildings, the, uh, the flags. Right, this sort of cloak of legitimacy that they wear around themselves, the badges and the uniforms well, and everything like that. Well, we do that. get the, uh, the ability to vote on these uh, scumballs. But the problem is, is that um, you know, for, if you ask some people, our, uh, the whole voting machines have been compromised, so our votes are illegitimate. Plus, um, and in many cases, you're just voting for the gang leader. I mean, that's all you're doing. They're still going to run roughshod over your freedom. If you vote for the right gang leader, for instance, uh, Ron Paul, you'll likely have a uh, less powerful gang. I know, who, but 99% of the time, there's no Ron Paul in the race. Understood. And if things keep going in the way that they are, Ron Paul's not going to be in this race in 2008 either. Why He's is that? He's polling at 1% right now. Well, it, it depends on where you're looking. Um, I, I've seen numbers significantly higher yeah, than that. He well, does you're looking well. at Internet polls. He does, he, he, look, he does very well in certain demographics. He does much better in women than he does in men. Um, I saw 3% out of a Zogby poll. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, there's certainly a chance that uh, he could catch fire. And it's not I, like Clinton was the number one um, candidate in you know, Anything early can on happen. Either. That's for sure. Anything can happen at this point. Who Look, the heck was George Bush back in 1999? We're going to go to the uh, the email box here because since he brought up the whole anarchy topic, which I'm, uh, again, not a huge fan of that word at all, but there's an email about that, right? You've got it? Yep. Let me uh, locate it here real quick. I'm sorry. No, okay. Be sorry. <clears throat> Why all the hate for the innoxious term anarchy? After all, it only means a lack Innocuous? of... Innocuous? What, what did I say? Innoxious. 
I'm sorry. I've always, I, you know, when you learn to, uh, <laughs> when you learn your big words by reading and you don't learn them yeah. um, by speaking, you have a tendency to, uh, it's okay. Mispronounce some things. After all, it only means a lack of belief enforced by, by the extension of government. Just as atheism is a lack of belief in theism. I don't know if that's what it means. I think it just means without government or without rule. But I think that, um, but an anarchist would believe in a lack of government, right? Theoretically. Okay. Yes. Um, just as atheism is a black and um, is a lack of belief in theism, is it evil and spiteful? Um, it, is it evil and spiteful government propaganda by the corrupt priests of political power? Possibly, or the new synonymous appellation of uh, chaos to the term um, may result from simple psychology. Not everyone sees anarchy as good, seeing it instead as the cause for the need of government. The theory behind government is one of order, the idea that government is needed to prevent the unjust use of force. Thus, <laughs> and of course, that's the irony of government at the same time, is that the theory is that government is supposed to keep right. people it orderly is the just and use safe, of force. and the just use of force, when in fact, government in its supposed role of protecting you will be the government that is threatening you should you decide you don't want to go along with its edicts. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm not for taking government out of the... Uh, uh, the monopoly on force um, role, I just say that we really reduce its power. Okay, thus, crime, war, poverty, disease, unrest, violence, and karaoke music are the very thing government is created to prevent. Government is used to prevent chaos by rationally organizing force in a moral fashion for the benefit of everyone. But because the government is coercively supported and cannot know what is needed by its citizens or um, it is coercively funded so it doesn't have, um, have to care about its citizens, correct. it is forever doomed to abject and tragically comic failure. Doomed to be a deformed inspiration for misguided poets and socialists. Government can only create chaos. A truly successful government stays just one step ahead of it. There's just a little bit more. Can't say I disagree with him. So I, far. I know. I knew you would. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I totally agree that uh, government is the source of much strife. Government is the source of much disorder and much chaos. And I would prefer a voluntary order of the free market. More on the way. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. Bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That would be the packet 8.net toll free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. And April is Financial Literacy Month. Give your child... Uh, give the, the child in your life financial literacy, bid a son, daughter, or sibling. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton teaches a child the basics of finance, money management, and... Real estate investment. School doesn't teach kids about money. Only their loved ones can do that. So give your special child a kid's journey to getting rich. Order it at akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. That's akidsjourney.com, 800-657-5066. And join Free Talk Live online at freetalklive.com where there are archives and entire year's worth of the show. Front page of the website for your downloaded convenience. Go get them at freetalklive.com as we finish up an email from one of our listeners about anarchy. Uh, just a, a misunderstood concept, a misunderstood word. It's a word I don't choose to use in my daily life at all. Uh, if uh, accused of being an anarchist, I will back away from that. Uh, I am a free marketeer. I'm someone who believes in the marketplace, voluntary solutions to government, uh, to uh, social and, and uh, political problems. And it's just that... Anarchy is so misunderstood by people, and it's, it's tragic. It, it doesn't mean chaos, and that's what this emailer is pointing out. It is, it, anarchy is not chaos. It's just simply lack of government, and as he just started pointing out, government 
in fact, can create chaos. Right, and um, and, and does he he goes he he makes the point that the sort of the fallacy of cons- of equating anarchy to chaos, and he says therefore, government is order. Failure of government is chaos. Government fails. Anarchy is chaos. And so, you know, he just sort of makes the the point that it doesn't make any sense. Just a thought for you to mull over. Um, Niall, there's, um, P.S., there's a string of effect for you guys to think about uh, on your depressed days. You converted you converted me to freedom. Now, Niall used to be a socialist. Socialist, yeah. yes. I converted my brother, and while I'm um, raising my three boys as good little anarchists, given the fact that my brother will eventually marry and raise anarchist kids, my boys will um, raise and marry, and all those anarchists will marry and raise anarchist kids, and the fact that... We are all Mormons who have about five kids per family, you and Ian personally. Not that I would consider myself an anarchist or anything close to it. Um, You and Ian have personally converted between 30 to 55 people. Five families, six rats, not counting their unholy free marketeer brood, um, just in the first generation. Eventually, amping should get much easier. Thanks, (laughs) Niall. That's great. Uh, and you know what? It's exemplary of the fact that you never know whose life you're going to touch. When you're doing libertarian outreach, when you're – and I wish he wouldn't embrace the term anarchy. It just makes him sound like a violent bomb thrower. I mean, unfortunately, that's just the, the connotation the word has. Uh, it, anyway, it, it's exemplary that when you're doing libertarian outreach, whether it's just uh, – whether you've got your own radio show like we happen to – or you're just manning a libertarian uh, Operation Politically Homeless booth at the local county fair, you never know whose lives you're going to touch. You never know who you're going to come across. You never know what they're going to think of, of what it is you're, you're touting and you're promoting, in, in our case, pro-liberty ideas. And you never know what they're going to do about it. I remember when I uh, was doing the, the outreach table that we had at the Sarasota County Fair many years ago that I'd set up, uh, I encountered uh, Neil who is now one of our listeners, one of our amplifiers. He lives in Florida. He's the uh, he's the, the the creator of the Libertarian Club on the campus of the University of Florida. He's also again moving to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. You're he responsible is, for Neil. He is a super activist. He really is. And uh, I I take responsibility. I was the one who was manning the table at the time when he was in eighth grade. He was at the fair with his friends. He came by. They took the world's smallest political quiz, and uh, it's history from there. Hmm. So, again, you never know whose lives you're going to touch. And so get out there and, and spread the message of freedom as wide as far as possible. Let's go to the phones and talk to Mike in Montana listening on KGEZ. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live hey, with Ian Mark. Mike's gone. Let's go to John in New York. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Mark. Hi. Um, I have a question about this war in, um, in Iraq. I know I'm a little late on it. Why? Why did the United States attack Iraq? Uh, there's a just a ream of excuses that the president and uh, and his cronies had. Uh, there's no legitimate reason for it. They were just full of. They're just lying to people. They they wanted I think an that the, excuse. To probably go to war. the main reason that uh, Americans went for the one that, uh, that 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 worked was Iraq has weapons of mass destruction or is well on its way to creating weapons of mass destruction. But even if that were true, even if that claim were true, and we know now that it's not true. Even if it were true, it still is not justification for invading another so-called sovereign country. Right. Why? Well, I mean, you know, it's not like uh, anybody should invade us because we have weapons of mass destruction. Exactly right. So there's there's yeah. no legitimate reason for it at all, John. Yeah, that that just seems a little bit odd. It's like kind of like uh, you going in my house and just taking all my knives because you're saying that that's dangerous, you know, to you. Yeah. But that that's I'm um, you. But still, I. I 
Anyway, I saw this documentary on, is it pronounced Halliburton? Uh, yeah, that's the, about the right. Mm-hmm. Halliburton. Yeah, the, they're charging so much money. I mean, just to fund this, uh, I mean, the United States is paying this contractor, like, I, I think it was like $100 for one bag of laundry every time they <laughs> Yeah, that's what it's really all about. That's the real reason for war, and that is that politicians, in this case George Bush, Dick Cheney, and their friends, are all in Washington, D.C., and they have connections. In uh, Halliburton's case, Dick Cheney's on, what, the board of directors or something like that? Uh, They've got either direct connections or their friends are working for these companies or they're the, the guys behind these companies. So they go to war, and then they hand out all these sweet government contracts to their friends, and they just funnel millions upon billions of dollars to their their friends and associates and it's really uh it's really just a political back scratching fest and it's disgusting because it's being done at uh, at all of our cost we're all paying for it not only uh, not only are we paying for it in uh, as far as tax dollars are concerned we're also paying for it because of inflation because they print money and as they add money to the money supply our money becomes worth less and we, in the collectivist term, which I don't normally use, are losing as well because our friends and family members are dying in the dirt over in Iraq simply so these political people and their friends can profit. Right. That's the real sick part is is that we, the, the serfs, go out and fight once again, are going out and fighting the war for the, uh, the, the landowners, the overlords, and it, nothing's changed from the feudal times. And the Not amazing much. part is the, uh, the serfs are generally just take it very well. There's something that's changed. Uh, you're more likely to survive the conflict if you actually go over and fight. It's just so you're more likely to come out of it with uh, missing limbs, whereas in feudal times you die. Um, so there are yeah. a little bit less deaths, but nonetheless it's tragic. Hmm. Now, now for you to say that, um, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I do agree with you, but I just want to play devil's advocate Please. here and say, um, now, now, why would the president do something like that? Aren't aren't presidents trained all their life to take the role of presidency? <laughs> no, and then, you know, <laughs> of course now, not. What what um what training did George Bush have that uh, would qualify him to be the governor of a state or the president of the United States? So, so, so presidents don't get trained. I mean, the, the, no, they get elected. No, absolutely not. presidents, uh, a president was supposed to be just someone who is an American, and uh, and so there's no special training or anything like that. The original concept was that you know the president was supposed to get in there and and veto all the unconstitutional legislation that was uh, sent his way, and it just didn't work out that way. It turns out that, believe it or not, a position of power tends to attract people who are in search of that power, and people who are in search of power tend to be sick, twisted individuals, whether they be Bill Clinton or George W. Bush or whoever it is. They attract sickos who are in search of power, who are more than willing to lord that power over others and use that power to benefit themselves and their friends and their family at the cost of of everyone else. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Iceland on the way and Smokeasies. What's that all about? Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. Bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. There's a wiki there. 
Lots of stuff on that wiki. In fact, over 1,200 pages created by listeners like you. It's like the listener editable version of our website, wiki.freetalklive.com. We'll get you to it. The Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to attend leadership and activist training seminars and hear and discuss progress and future of the FSP. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot C-O-M. 1-800-259-9231. All right, I started the show out last hour by mentioning our friends over at the Advocates for Self-Government and uh, giving them a nice free plug for their great online newsletter, which is called The Liberator Online. It's a biweekly publication, and you can get signed up for it for yourself at theadvocates.org. It's also a place where you can learn more about the advocates, learn more about libertarianism in general, uh, also get yourself uh, involved in Operation Politically Homeless Booths and a, a variety of other things. But one of the features in the uh, the recent issue, we already shared actually one of them. There's two really good ones that are worthy of sharing, so I'm going to share the second one. And this one's about Iceland, or Iceland. Stuck in the economic doldrums just a few years ago, Iceland today is enjoying an explosion of prosperity. In fact, Iceland is now one of the world's richest nations, according to the World Bank. And it's arguably the wealthiest European country. The economy there is growing rapidly. The GDP, gross domestic product, has grown about 50% since 1995. And the benefits are being felt throughout Icelandic society. Unemployment has almost disappeared, dropping below 2%. What's it here in America now? I, I don't know precisely, but I, I bet you it's somewhere... Six. Yeah, five, six, seven. As a writer for the UK Spectator bluntly put it, quote, Today, Icelanders are absolutely rolling in it. So what happened? Lots of lucky lottery ticket winners? No. Beginning around 1990, Icelandic leaders, inspired by visits from libertarian free market thinkers like Friedrich Hayek, Milton Friedman, and James Buchanan, and maybe inspired by their own past, which has uh, a bit of a uh, free market anarchistic history, Mm -hmm. uh, instituted bold, fundamental free market reforms. Taxes were slashed for both individuals and businesses. Personal income tax rates were cut from 33% in 1995 to 22.75%, as far as the maximum rate. The corporate tax rate was cut from 55% to 18%. Those are some serious cuts. Yeah, that's that's a serious cut. And a further cut to 10% 10 is under consideration, so to cut it from 18% to 10%. A cumbersome income tax was replaced with a flat tax. Wealth and estate taxes were slashed. Major segments of the economy were deregulated. Numerous government services were privatized. Monetary policy was stabilized. Inflation, which hit 100% back in 1983, is down to 2 to 3% today. Government debt was hacked away. Private property rights were created for fisheries, a major Icelandic industry, and so forth. Due to such market-oriented reforms between 1990 and today, it's about 17 years, Iceland rose from 26th to ninth place in the economic freedom of the world rankings. Now, we've actually, uh, they explain what these are. It's a respected annual ranking of countries by the amount of economic freedom they permit. And there are actually, uh, there's more than one of these studies. There's the economic freedom of the world, and then I think there's freetheworld.org. There's two different organizations. There's the Heritage Foundation and then freetheworld.org. I'm looking at it right now. Where's Iceland on that list? Number nine, it says. I see. The economic freedom of the world. Uh, So they've moved up. 
from 26th to 9th place as a result of them slashing back on the sides of the government. Hmm. Sure enough, Icelanders, uh, Icelanders are now more prosperous than they have ever been in the last few decades. And it's an incredible success story that anybody can point to who wants to show that, yeah, hmm, these small government ideas do work. They do put more money in people's pockets and, of course, more money in people's – I'd like to see – you know, I'd like to see – and they don't have these numbers in this particular study. I'd like to see what charitable contributions have done because I bet you those have gone up because as more people have more money that they can keep, which is what has happened in Iceland, more people are keeping more of their incomes, they are more likely to spend those uh, that income or a portion of that income on charitable things, sending that money to uh, – to, to, Places that will help the poor. Seems likely to me. Right. So I'd really like to see those statistics as well. The result is Iceland is enjoying the same remarkable progress that other countries around the world which have adopted similar policies have also seen. Now, if only America, the so-called land of the free, could go in that same direction. To our politicians in America, to the Republicans and Democrats, a cut is a cut on the you know, like the projected increase of right. the budget. Governments around uh, around here, they have uh, they grow every year, so they project every single year that right. they're going a to grow is, by three percent. Less growth than what they were hoping for. That's correct. That's what a cut is called, and then everybody gets all upset about that. And you know, the um, the United States has uh, gone down in the uh, free the world ranking. Sure has. Um, we've gone from something like seven um, to thirteen, fourteen. I think we were as high as four, fourth or fifth place at one time. Oh, I'm sure at one point, but uh, I'm just and, talking about recently. And we have dropped out of the top ten on one of the charts. I think we might be around number ten or eleven on the other one. Not good. <laughs> Not good at all. No, uh, it's got uh, Free the World does have uh, Iceland at uh, number uh, nine. I was uh, checking the United States just to see where um, we where we being the United States came in. Um, as of 2003, it has the United States at number three. There you go. 1-800-259-9231 if you've it got the Heritage it. Foundation that has them like 13. Okay. Then, uh, now, now the economic freedom of the world studies, they don't really take too much of personal freedoms into account. Now, freetotheworld.com is, isn't entirely economic. That's, is it .com? Is it freetheworld.com? Freetheworld.com, yes. Okay. Um, it isn't entirely economic. They There's do factor quite a, in. Quite a few social issues. They factor in personal freedoms, but mm-hmm. generally it's economic freedoms. And of course. Well, those are the easiest ones to quantify. Right. And if you really want to break it down, if you have true economic freedom, you by proxy have to have personal freedom as well. I mean, for instance, people tend to look at the war on drugs and drug use as a personal freedom issue, but in fact, it's also an economic freedom issue in that if there's true economic freedom, we. One should be free to sell whatever products, including drugs, that one would like. Or um, from the, the tax standpoint is the war on drugs is just incredibly inefficient. They don't, um, they don't bring back nearly the money that they spend on uh, enforcing the law. Not, uh, not that the ex- expectation is that the police will uh, mm-hmm. bring money back enforcing the law. You wouldn't expect them to get money from murderers or anything like that. But it's inefficient. You're never going to win the war on drugs. So it's nope. a poor use of money from the fiscally conservative point of view, too. And, of course, uh, we've touched – and I'm not going to get into the war on drugs, but we've certainly t- talked about it a number of times in the past. A lot of it parallels what happened with uh, the prohibition of alcohol. Prohibition is prohibition is prohibition, as the people in Philadelphia are finding out, according to Stu Bisco- uh, Bikowski – 
uh, nhfree.com forum reporting on this one. I'm sipping a Blue Moon Ale in a Philadelphia bar. Janis Joplin is wailing about Bobby McGee, and I'm thinking a smoke would go great about now. I take one out of Baby Cake's Parliament Lights and fire it up. I'm smoking in a bar in Philadelphia, and nobody says boo. There are 20 other people, smokers and non-smokers, hanging out, enjoying themselves, not doing any harm to anyone except maybe themselves. The bar is spacious, the NCAA is on the TV screens, beer pennants hang from the ceiling, and through the large windows I see rain falling. The owner is sitting at the bar chewing nicotine gum. He's a former smoker, also a former cop. I'm an irresponsible bar smoker, he says with a smile. Despite the smoking ban in Philadelphia, Hmm. because of it, actually, Philadelphia now has... Smoke easies, a play on speakeasies that came to us with the prohibition of alcohol. Prohibition was enacted in 1920, repealed in 1933, and largely ignored in between. I'm surprised at how many Americans meekly obey the smoking ban. Well, you say it was largely ignored, but uh, a lot of people died in the um, with the you know from the gangsters and and the prohibition era. Right. Well, government wasn't ignoring it. That's no. for sure. And um, I think he means the the people consuming the alcohol. They mm. did what they. They did what they could to continue getting their alcohol. Right. This story is about Philadelphians who aren't obeying the smoking ban. We'll come back with more. 800-259-9231. If you've got a smoking ban in your town and you have discovered a bar or a club of some sort that is allowing smoking without having permission to do so, tell us your story at 800-259-9231 or just bring up whatever's on your mind. This is your show the latest on smoke easies. Actually, the first time I've ever heard of such a thing here in America. This is Free Talk Live. The show is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. Take control of the airwaves. 1-800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line. And it is Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online. Freetalklive.com. The place to go. All the features Free. We ask, though, that you voluntarily support the show. And, Mark, if we could get a quick update on the voting numbers, I'd appreciate that. Last time I looked, we were number one. But the lead that we held was very, very tenuous. In fact, it's been tenuous for the past several days. We haven't really been able to pull away from the number two show very effectively. Now, yesterday it was down to five and up to nine that's votes. I mean, that's across the world. Right. So it can slip away very easily. Right now, it's uh, four votes. That's it. We're just four votes ahead of the uh, number two podcast, and it's not what I would call a comfortable lead. No, not at all. Uh, we've only got a couple more days left in this month. Sure would be that's nice to end, end up the month the first time in the number one slot. The first time. We've been podcasting since early 2005, one of the, uh, one of the original podcasters, I suppose, or one of the earlier ones. And uh, that entire time, we've managed to stay in the top ten, with the exception, I think, of one month where we hit, like, number 11, which is a bad month. And uh, ever since then, we've averaged at, like, second, third, and fourth place every single month. Recent months, we've been doing very well, hitting second place for the past couple months. So we're on an upward trend. It's possible that we could finish at number one, but we'll only be able to do it with your vote. So if you've yet to vote for Free Talk Live this month... Go to vote.freetalklive.com. When you get in front of your computer, it takes you less than a minute, and all you need is your email address. Won't be spammed. Won't be sold. Vote.freetalklive.com. It makes a big difference because us being number one means more new people discovering the message of freedom and liberty. And if that's important to you, you really should vote for us at vote.freetalklive.com. And then ask some friends and family members to do it as well because we need as many votes as possible, even in these remaining moments of the month. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. We've just slipped down to two. Oh, my goodness. The lead's two. So they are ahead by two votes? No. 
We are. We haven't slipped down to the second position. We're number one, by two but votes. ahead by two votes. Correct. Got it. All right, we need you. Vote on freetalklive.com. All right, so talking about smokeasies. You've heard of speakeasies, right? From back in the 1920s? Right. Uh, you know, essentially black market bars where um, they would serve bathtub gin or, or whatever you wanted. Um, and, you know, the cops wouldn't know where these places were. That's right. And uh, they wouldn't know where they were. And they'd, they'd also, in many cases, they could uh, they could serve it right out in the open by putting it in, like, coffee cups, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Right. Um, so that was going on as well. Anyway, now we've got smoke easies, and there's an article from Philadelphia, because apparently, like many places around the country, there is a smoking ban in effect there. And as it turns out, there are a number of bar owners that are just turning a blind eye to the smoking going on in their establishments. In fact, this one bar owner that the, uh, the guy who wrote the article is interviewing uh, is a former cop. So you'd think as a former cop, he'd be, the, you know, he'd have that sort of law and order mentality, mm-hmm. and he'd follow the law, but in this case, he's not. Uh, in fact, the article author says he's surprised how many Americans just meekly obey these smoking bans. For reasons even the dimmest nicotine Nazi would understand, I'm not naming names or giving locations of the smokeasies I found. Why do the owners risk fines? I'll call the proprietor Joe Friday to honor his former trade. His smokeasies in with uh, within walking distance of one of Philadelphia's universities. It's my bar. It's my four walls. Cigarettes are legal, he says. Why can't I allow my customers to smoke? It's an excellent question. Six months before he opened, a beautiful-looking restaurant, he names it, I won't, opened a few blocks from here. They never allowed smoking, and that's their right, he says. Sure. Leaving unspoken his belief that it's his right to permit it. A health department inspector dropped in not long ago. No one was smoking, but he asked why Friday had ashtrays on the bar. Friday told him they were heirlooms or something (laughs) like that. The law requires bar managers to enforce the bar or the ban by telling patrons they can't smoke. But they're cautioned not to take any action other than to call the health department to report the smokers. The health department has a hotline as though you're going to report the people in your own establishment for smoking because right. you're going to end up with the fine. They're not there. In most cities that have smoking bans, there aren't fines for the actual smokers. The fines go to the business owner. Sure, for allowing it to happen. The health department has a hotline. It's, it's essentially conscripting the business owners as unpaid cops. That's correct. Uh, the, and, and and docking their pay, um, which is nothing, and, you know, fining them if they don't do it. The health department has a hotline to report smoking in bars, and I love this little addition in parentheses. If you want the number, look it up yourself, snitch. Wow. Friday says no patron ever complained to him. But we did have a complaint to a barmaid. He tells his employees to say, we don't condone it, but tells me we can't enforce the ban. It's not our job. Uh, just a few miles away is another bar, smaller, more Irish, catering to more neighborhood residents. The owner, I'll call him Samus, is a smoker. As in the first, NCAA's on the television, but no jukebox is playing. The dozen customers are singing Broadway show tunes beneath a ceiling glowing with Christmas lights. It's that kind of place. Unlike Friday, he's been written up by the health department. Who snitched him out? Health department inspectors won't ever say, but Seamus says it's either a neighbor, a competitor, or sometimes a customer... But it's usually your competitors. Seamus tries to adhere to the letter of the law and tells customers you can't smoke in here. If they do, there's nothing within my legal authority to tell you not to smoke, he says. Seamus's father was a cop for 35 years, but I'm not in that business. I'm in the entertainment business, he says. I have military men come in here. They're just back from Iraq. If anyone, they have a right to smoke, you know, Seamus says. He wouldn't stop them even if he could. I'm sure there are other smokeasies around town where owners don't enforce the law due to a philosophy or their philosophy or maybe lethargy. 
Some owners will apply for a waiver to the ban available to bars that do 80% or more of their gross in alcohol, 20% or less in food. Anti-ban activist Michael McFadden estimates that 500 Philly bars might squeeze through the loophole for the sake of their smoking staff and customers and also to avoid complaints from neighbors when smokers are forced to stand outside and smoke late at night. Joe Friday will file for a waiver. If there's a legal way out, I'll go that way. I don't like being vulnerable, he says. Seamus serves too much food to qualify. Once these waivers come through, Philly will have smoking ban light. Smokers will have some bars, non-smokers will have many bars, and everyone will be happy except for the nicotine Nazis who can't stand reasonable compromise. Right. You know, it's it's amazing. Some people don't don't you want you to be able to smoke outside. They don't want you to be able to smoke in your house. They really don't. They know what's best for you, Mark, and right. you should listen to what they have to say. They if just you don't listen, you're going to get a fine. Are bad and no matter what, you know, they just they just stink and you shouldn't ha- you shouldn't be smoking. People like that these know-it-alls that think they know how everybody should live. Now, everybody's got an opinion on how people should live. I mean, we get on the air and we, we make suggestions as to how to, for instance, save money, uh, how to pay off your debts, that sort of thing. So, you know, I have my set of, of standards, the way I live my life, and I certainly would like to see some people live their lives a little bit more efficiently. But the difference between me and them is that I just make suggestions. I say, hey, here's what I do. If you want to do that, then do it. These people say, you must or else. If you don't, we'll, you know, then fill in the blank. If you don't, we'll fine you. If you don't pay the fine, we'll come in and shut your business down. Right. If you resist, we'll try to arrest you. Right. If you resist, we'll kill you. That's the logical progression here. Mm-hmm. And you and I, Mark, for all the suggestions we've ever made to any of the callers that have called this show, have never once, ever, gone down and lobbied for a new law to regulate how people behave. Yeah, I'd love for people to pay off their credit cards, but I will never go and pass a law that mandates that you put a percentage of your your paycheck towards your debts. That's the sensible thing to do, but it's it's insanity to force people to behave the way you'd like them to. So stop it, please. And they're never going, um, you know, all the people are never going to behave the way you want them to. Of course and not. And all you end up doing is, uh, you know, distastefully enforcing your rules. It's, it's, a, it's, you're enforcing your rules in this utopian fantasy. And it's so utopian in that, uh, you know, you have your set of rules, but they might differ from my set of rules, might differ from Julia's set of rules, my girlfriend, or might differ from the neighbor's set of rules across the street. Since we don't try to enforce our rule sets on others, we're okay. But it's those other people who are trying to enforce their value sets on everybody else with the, through the force of the government that inevitably creates the chaos that we talked about earlier. Our emailer had emailed in to point out how government actually creates chaos and encourages chaos. And this is a perfect example of how exactly it happens. One person, one brilliant central planner who knows everything and knows how uh, everyone should live their lives decides he wants to get in charge of government so he can set his rules into effect, and that way everyone's lives will be perfect. Well, unfortunately, and there's, him... And there's so many people, um, it seems like everybody, to some extent or another, believes that that's, um, you know, that that's what they're, they're trying to do. They're trying to come up with a system that works, um, that's going to result in what they're looking for, and really, that system is liberty. That, that is, uh, unfortunately, they don't realize that. So what no. they do is they go in and they try to take the reins of power for themselves to enforce their value sets uh, on everyone else. Unfortunately, in, in that process of trying to take that power, they come up against people that believe differently. 
whether it be, uh, you know, the homosexuals versus the Christians or whatever the different conflicts are, the evolutionists versus the Christians. Uh, I'm just picking up uh, ideas here. Mm-hmm. And they, they pit one another against each other in this eternal struggle for control of the state. That causes chaos. It causes strife. It causes hatred. More on the way. 800-259-9231. The solution is to leave people alone. Let them make their own choices with their own private property. If you don't like their choices, then ostracize them. But do no more. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231, also known as the Packet8.net toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site Completely free, so enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. You know, the FBI, we mentioned them earlier in the show as to how they're having apparently a really tough time with the whole email concept. (laughs) They're a little behind the ball on that. In fact, uh, I think the the story was that there was a percentage of the FBI agents that had gone ahead and converted to email, but the rest of them were still trying to figure it out. Uh, So (laughs) it's just amazing. You know, these guys can barely figure out how to check their email um, how are they actually in investigating crimes? I, I don't know. Not so great. In Some fact, questions there. In fact, they're not so great at pretty much anything they try. According to uh, Michael Hampton at HomelandStupidity.us, the Federal Bureau of Investigation has lost or had stolen 160 laptops in four years, including 10 with sensitive or classified information and one containing personal information on FBI employees, according to a report released Monday by the Department of Justice Inspector General. In addition, 160 weapons were lost or stolen from the FBI in that same time period. Now, who do you think might be taking these things? Who's the most likely culprit to uh, steal FBI laptops and weapons? FBI agents. I'd think so, too. They're the ones that have access. Yep. The audit noted that while the FBI had succeeded in reducing the number of lost and stolen uh, laptops and weapons since the 2002 audit... FBI employees didn't always report the losses properly. So they were still losing laptops back in 2002. It's just that they've slightly reduced the number of lost laptops every year. Hmm. <laughs> they're, they're slowing the hemorrhaging of uh, your taxpayer dollars, just barely. Prior to our follow-up audit, the FBI didn't maintain records indicating which of its laptop computers actually contained sensitive or classified information, the report said. Moreover, during this follow-up review, the FBI could not identify for us the contents of many of the lost and stolen laptops, including whether they contain sensitive or classified information. So they know they're losing laptops, they just, you know, not so sure. They don't even know what's on them. Two of the, though they're getting better at figuring that out. Two of the laptops contain sensitive but unclassified information, and eight contained classified information. But the FBI couldn't determine whether 43 of the 160 contained sensitive or classified information. The report said, hey, "We just don't know." And 
Yeah, what's the matter now? They're gone. Yeah, what difference does it make? The results are an improvement <laughs> on findings in a similar audit in 2002, according to the Washington Post, which reported that 354 weapons and 317 laptops were lost or stolen at the FBI over about two years. They followed the high-profile losses last year of laptops containing personal information from the VA and the IRS. In a statement yesterday, the FBI's assistant director emphasized that the report showed significant progress in decreasing the rate of loss for weapons and laptops. Isn't that amazing? This is what their pro- this is what their progress is. Is that well, we only lost 160 compared to 300 this year. Well, I'd have to say that that's really what they're uh, that's what they have to be hoping for is at some point or another you're going to lose or have stolen laptops. I mean, that's just going to happen. If you have I laptops, wonder how many laptops, some are going to get lost and some but, but how many laptops get stolen from say Gateway Computers or Dell, you know, where there are laptops everywhere. How many laptops does a private company lose in a year? Well, I would think that to, to some extent the uh, FBI agents are going out in the field, and that's, you know, that's where things get lost. Probably not at the office. I, I, don't, know I don't know about that, because then if you've got it checked out in the field, then you'd be responsible for it, wouldn't you? Well, responsible. What, it would what, seem easier what do you to do? just okay. find one sitting around the I office take your and take lap- it home. I take your laptop out into the uh, the field as an employee. Let's say I'm an employee, and I take your laptop out into the field um, to do some work, and you know, I, I turn my back for a moment. It disappears off the, uh, the the coffee house table. Somebody snatches it and runs away. Would I charge you for it? Right. Um, now, you know, when you're talking about a government bu- bureaucracy, obviously not. Now, yeah. uh, uh, the smaller the employer, it would seem like the more likely um, mm-hmm. they would be to say, "Hey, what about my laptop?" <laughs> but uh, you know, it just it's going to happen. It's true. Senator Charles Grassley wasn't impressed. Not that I think that 160 in a, in a year is good. He said, making progress might seem like a win for the FBI, but it's unacceptable when you're talking about lost weapons and computers with sensitive information. The FBI has more than 20,000 laptops and more than 50,000 weapons in its inventory, said the report. And CNN reports, uh, assistant director saying, we acknowledge more needs to be done to ensure the proper handling of the loss and theft of weapons and laptops and the information maintained on them. The report also noted that uh, most of that of the 160 missing weapons, seven of them had been recovered. Many of the weapons were stolen from FBI agents' vehicles and homes. In some cases, agents simply left them behind at restaurants, grocery stores, and restrooms. Could happen, you know. And, you know, they're not yours anyway, so who cares if you lose them, right? You lose your weapon, you're just going to get another one. Eight of them were brazenly stolen from an FBI SWAT van during the 2005 Super Bowl. So much for gun control. Opines Michael Hampton at HomelandStupidity.us. 1-800-259-9231. If you've got another example of government boondoggles and screw-ups, would love to hear from you. 800-259-9231. And, of course, beyond uh, the fact that the FBI is a completely unconstitutional agency anyway... It doesn't seem like the federal government has any business trying to do, you know, FBI work... uh, you know the, the the kind of law enforcement the kind of law enforcement the FBI does. Right. I mean, law enforcement, as far as I mean, if you're looking at the uh, the different levels of law enforcement, why do you need to have an FBI? I mean, the local sheriffs can get some so- some crimes solved, uh, and they could work with the other local sheriffs that might be in the area, the the neighboring counties, that sort of thing. They could easily uh, with an in- with the internet uh, and and telephone lines, interface with one another, fax machines, and share the information that they need to. The well, FBI doesn't streamline this process. The FBI sprang up um, in you know certain areas that 
the local police weren't doing a very good job. Uh, for instance, uh, kidnapping across state lines, especially ransoms, that kind of thing. Um, local police just weren't equipped to handle those sorts of situations, so they um, they went to a larger law enforcement body. I think that in this case now, you're talking. Most states have some version of the FBI. Um, like for instance, you know, the state police handle it, or the in, in Florida it's the FDLE. That kind of thing. Um, they handle those sorts of issues, and I think they could handle um, interstate kidnapping and ransoms um, pretty well. The FBI also handled, uh, to a large extent, they did. They handled uh, the prohibition, mm. and uh, they were they're integral in that. And probably the place where they make the most sense to me is in the South in the '60s uh, during you know integration and all those really rough time periods. Blacks weren't getting a lot of good, uh, you know, weren't getting a good shake from the local law enforcement, even the state law enforcement. In Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, those kind of places, Texas, those kind of places, it, it was just it was a crappy place to be a black person. And uh, so the FBI came in, stepped in, and uh, you know, largely made the police do what they had, you know, did what they they, yeah, they did. Well, you know, uh, I'd like to see them go away mm-hmm. because uh, in the cases in the the case that you mentioned. Uh, if it didn't pan out correctly, then those people could have just moved to a different state where they would have been uh, more accepted. Well, they were very, very poor at at the times. You know, at at times, the the thing is, is libertarianism applies to today. I don't want to try to debate old issues with people because, you know, when you start getting into areas where, um, you know, uh, right, you're also dealing with history that was written by many pro-government historians. Right. That, as that's well. that's the that's the issue. Is I'm fighting, um, you know, against history that was written by socialists. Yeah. So you know, it's it's a difficult thing to do. Let's talk about today, and in today's society, pretty much anybody can move anywhere. If um, illegal you immigrants, a greyhound ticket. If illegal immigrants can move into this country, um, you know, with with not a penny in their pocket, then people can move anywhere. Yeah. Anybody else that says they can't get out of where they are, just full of excuses. That's all that. That's all there is to it. It doesn't take much to get a sixty-nine dollar greyhound ticket and a few hundred bucks in your pocket. Uh, I mean, in the case of uh, in many people, you just you just go somewhere and then you you look for help. I mean, you can move. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the toll free number. I'd like to see them go away. Of course, I'd like to see the entire federal government go away. But hey, you know that's my fantasy. Uh, in the meantime, it looks like they're going to exist and continue to lose weapons and continue to lose laptops. Uh, try to figure out the whole email revolution and who knows what other boondoggles will come out next about these people. Uh, coming up on the show here, there's a, a very strange story that uh, it's it's bizarre in the way that uh, the story we had last night was just bizarre. It's 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 called it's a story about something called purity balls. And no, no it's not dirty. Not talking about like the dirty kind of balls. I'm talking about like a ballroom sort of occurrence, something that goes on in a ballroom, that sort of thing. Purity balls. It does have to do with sex. So don't get confused, okay? We're not pandering here. More's on the way. You can take control. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. Bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free, including... The updates, you get signed up, we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Get on the list at updates.freetalklive.com. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Pork Fest, is June 18th through the 24th. 
At Porkfest, you'll be able to talk with New Hampshire natives and those who've made the move here and discuss the progress and the future of the Free State Project, as well as socialize with hundreds of fellow activists and lovers of liberty. Register today at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. As always, you bring up anything, toll-free number 800-259-9231. As we go to a story that's pretty bizarre. It's about something that I've never heard of before. And maybe you have, but this is news to me. And, uh, Mark, it might be news to you as well. No sex, please. We're Daddy's Little Girls from the AFP Washington. It has all the ingredients of a wedding. The proud tuxedo-clad father, the frosted white cake, the limousines, and even an exchange of vows. But there's no groom, and the girl in the long gown is no bride. She's Daddy's Little Girl. There to take a vow of chastity. In what's becoming a trend among conservative Christians in the United States, girls as young as nine are pledging to their fathers to remain virgins until they wed in elaborate ceremonies dubbed purity balls. <laughs> so they're, they're I, sort of like debutante balls, and you know that everybody can, you know, debutante balls used to be very exclusive, but uh, you know now with uh, the the middle class becoming more and more wealthy and the upper middle class, uh, you know, not necessarily wanting to get into society so mm-hmm. much. Maybe this, this is sort of the answer to that. I don't know. Well, did, did debutantes have to take uh, essentially pledges to not no, have sex? They didn't take pledges or anything like that, but I think the idea was that, that these were very... Uh, that was just to get all dressed up and do things prim and proper, right? That yeah, was what a debutante But was. they weren't getting taken out back and doing something terrible, uh, you know, something nasty back there. You know, the, the debutantes were the good girls. Is this, uh, is this as strange to you as it is to me? This seems very weird. Now, I'm not a conservative Christian, so maybe I just don't get it. But to have a, a celebration that's based around the idea of sex, but not really about sex, it's about uh, pledging that you won't have sex, but doing it with your father, and, and there's just some weird elements to this. And I'd like to know what you think about it. 800-259-9231. According to the article, the gala affairs are intended to celebrate the father-daughter relationship. The highlight is when the fathers and daughters exchange vows with Dad signing a covenant to protect his daughter's chastity by living an unblemished life. What's that mean? What, what does that mean? <laughs> what, are you really asking me? Yeah. Well, I mean... Unblemished meaning... When you're talking about conservative Christians, the idea is, is that, uh, you know, they, especially the daughters, you know, they're, they're guarding the sex machine. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, the, they're the last gatekeeper on the sex machine. You know, that, you know, pretty little daughter you have and... So, but wait, wait, what does living an unblemished life have to do with protecting their daughter's chastity? The the well, the daughters aren't supposed to be living living a blemished no, no. life. It's the dad signing a cover a covenant to uh, protect his daughter's chastity by living an unblemished life, and the daughter promising not to have sex until marriage. I see. Well, what's pre- dad's behavior have? I don't understand. Well, you know, if he's providing a bad example by, uh, you I know, guess. drinking and not shaving, or and having I, sex with with women or something other, without other than marrying his wife, them, right. that sort of thing. I guess. Many fathers. I mean, you can't very well ask the uh, girl to be uh, chaste and uh, sexually moral if you don't ask the dad to do it. Many fathers at the ceremonies also slip purity rings around the finger of their misty-eyed daughters or offer them chastity bracelets and other jewelry that the girls can entrust to their husbands on their wedding night. 
Quote, the father makes a pledge that he's going to keep his mind pure and be faithful to her mother, and there's also a time when there's a conversation about putting the right kind of things in your mind, such as the, pa- uh, the father not using pornography, says Leslie Unruh, founder of the Abstinence Clearinghouse, a leader in the so-called purity movement, uh, told the AFP in describing the balls. She said some 1,400 purity balls were held across the United States in 2006, mainly in the South and Midwest, and double that number were expected to take place this year. Mike Parcha, because whoever it is that's, uh, that's organizing these things, it's going to become a whole new industry like weddings are with overpriced crap, and they'll oh, yeah. continue to market themselves and get more popular because, uh, you know, girls eat this stuff up. Mike Parcha, who recently attended, and, and of course it's meaningless, Oh, I all would, it really is is just a, a little silly ceremony to make uh, people feel be- the dad feel better about his daughters. It won't do a damn thing to actually keep them from having sex with anyone. Well, I think Not it will. Thing. I think it will do something. I mean, in, in the same way you can get um, you know somebody's signature on a sales agreement that's essentially meaningless. You have them sort of commit to it to some extent. But what I think the problem is is that obviously some of these girls are going to go on and. Uh, be immoral, quote unquote, before mm-hmm. marriage, and um, it's going to make them feel terrible. Them will. It's going to yep. make them feel terrible. That's a good point too. Well, at least they'll have gotten some jewelry out of it. Mike Parcha, because they like that stuff, who recently attended one of these balls with his 11-year-old daughter Laura in the western state of Colorado, <laughs> said the events reinforce his family's Christian beliefs. He says we realize that purity is a lifestyle, not an event, and this is just a celebration of that lifestyle and that relationship I have with my daughters. The ball is a culmination of the relationship we have with God and with each other. He said his three daughters have looked forward to attending the balls and have no qualms about pledging to remain virgins until marriage. And I think the other problem um, with this is, is that, um, you know, the, the the girl that I was dating when I was 18 years old, yeah, um, it, things wouldn't have worked out if we would have gotten married. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe if I was a uh, more moral and upright 18-year-old, I would have had a better shot. But the fact is, young marriages just... They, they they have a less of a chance of working out. So by saying, you know, you have to, to swear to purity, essentially says you're going to get married young because, well, we're human beings. Horny. Right. We're human beings and we want to have sex and that's what we were created to do. Believe it or not. Yeah, we were. And so, you know, I mean, you're, you're essentially, what, creating um, broken marriage, uh, kids whose uh, father, you know, is living with some other woman now. I just think it's a I, terrible idea uh, to encourage this sort of behavior. Because I agree kids come around in marriages. Sorry, that's what happens. It seems to me, um, if your daughter's humping a few different guys, but at least on birth control, you're probably in a better shape. That's true. And then you won't the have grandchildren issue. you've got to take care of um, when she's 22. You won't right. have five-year-olds running around. And and also there's three-year-olds. The, and there's the, what I consider to be the serious issue of a couple not having sex before marriage. I just think that's a terrible, terrible idea to not have sex before marriage. Well, I'll get into that here in a few moments, but we'll finish up the uh, the story here. They're all for it. They just think it's the greatest thing, says Dad, who's a college math teacher. We raise our children as Christians. We share the same beliefs, and we're on the same page. It's not like there's a tug of war of any kind going on. Uh, His two older daughters, aged 11 and 18, have attended the balls, while the youngest, who's four, must wait a few years, maybe because she needs to be able to have some concept of what's going on. The three girls, along with their three brothers, are all homeschooled. Now, why don't they do these for the boys? 
Partridge's oldest daughter, Christy, who recently graduated from high school, is now working on a fictional book about the emotional purity of a young girl as she grows up. The first purity ball in the United States was organized in 1998. Sounds like they're just really hung up on their daughters being virgins. I yeah, mean, they, there's they, something they twisted keep, about they this. They keep them out of public school. There's something very strange about all this, and I want to hear from you as to what you think. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version totally free for you at freetalklive.com. Once again, that toll-free number, the packet 8 on that toll-free line, 800-259-9231. SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. That's 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support FTL. We're talking about what I find to be kind of a weird spooky thing, this uh, concept that I've just discovered here, and I think it's probably the first you've heard of it, uh, because it's relatively new. Uh, It's only about, the concept is only about 10 years old. It's something called a purity ball, and it's an event held for a young young girl uh, and her father. They get together, and they have this, what resembles a marriage. There's an exchange of vows, there's, uh, there are rings that are exchanged as well, and the the purpose is to have the uh, the father pledge that he's going to be pure somehow, or he's going to uh, to not be a bad man or whatever. Uh, unblemished life is what he's supposed to have, and that the daughter is supposed to pledge that she's not going to have sex before her wedding night. And it's kind of spooky, as you were pointing out right before we went to break, Mark. Like this is there's some sort of weird obsession here. With these Christian guys, and not all Christians do this, it's only some of them, but there's this weird obsession with these Christian fathers with with their daughters and sex, and that's what this whole thing is about. The whole purity ball concept is all about their daughters having sex, not right then, but down the line. It just seems a little strange to me, doesn't it to you? I, 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 it seems rather strange to me, and uh, it seems like... Only a chance to sabotage, um, you know, the relationship in the future. I mean, if you make this, uh, you have this elaborate ball, and uh, you have your daughter make uh, this this vow, and you can't tell me they're not uh, pressured into this in some way, especially if their sis- older sisters have done all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Daddy, I, I don't think I want the purity ball. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. Well, why would they say no to it, right? I mean, it's a day, it's another day about them, like the weddings are. Oh, it's your day. Uh, you know, they get dressed up, they get jewelry, they get probably some gifts, they get a ring. I mean, why would they say no to it, right? Well, um, they don't really have the option, and right. it's it's not like Beyond they're that. 
you know, at, 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 the early, at the ages that they do these things, the girls don't have the same sorts of drives and they don't have the same sorts of pressures in their lives that, uh, you know, desires, you know, their lives aren't in the same places that they will be. Right. For your 11-year-old daughter to say, Daddy, I won't have sex till I get married, means virtually nothing. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, it does mean something in that um, once they make they make that promise, then once they do it, whether they're... 16, I think the average age is 17 for women. Um, when they first have sex, you mean? When they're 21, whatever age it is that they decide to have sex for the first time, if they do it, if they do it outside of uh, wedlock, then it, it puts this barrier um, between the, the girl and her father. You know, I've, I've broken a promise. I've done something terrible. She feels guilty. She feels bad. But there's, there's, um, there possibly are worse consequences. We'll get to those here. Uh, the first Purity Ball was organized by Generations of Light in 1998, a popular Christian ministry in Colorado. Uh, Randy Wilson, who runs the ministry with his wife, said the idea was to create an event that celebrates the bonds between father and daughter. Quote, we saw that in our culture there wasn't a place for the father to work for a good relationship with his daughter, so this relationship allows the daughter to become a stronger person in her culture as she's bombarded with all the sexual images that are out there. Wilson, who has five daughters, sounds pretty pie in the sky to me, says the balls have become so popular over the years there's now a waiting list for those wishing to attend. Uh, other other Christian churches from around the world are inquiring about them. Uh, the popularity of the balls in the United States, especially among evangelical Christians, mirrors the Bush administration's support of abstinence education in U.S. schools. The government's funding for such initiatives has more than doubled in recent years to $206 million. But critics say that while teaching abstinence to children might be laudable, it's just as essential to make them aware of sexually transmitted diseases and condom use. They also point to studies showing the majority of adolescents who take purity pledges break them within a few years, often by uh, engaging in risky and unprotected sex. Remember, these kids, the message that they're getting from their peers in the Christian world and from their family members in their churches is that sex is bad, it's only good when you have a marriage first, and don't have sex. That's the message that's going out there. There's virtually no education about birth control. There's virtually no education about safe sex right, or STDs. In, in a lot of cases, that's just um, it. It seems to these parents that that's advocating premarital sex. No, no, we're no, not going to talk advocating about safety. We're not going to talk about STDs because you're not supposed to be having sex. We're not going to talk about um, you know uh, sex in a healthy relationship because you'll figure that out when you get married. Here's the information you need to know. You don't have sex until you get married. That's all I've got End to tell story. you. End of story. That's it. And it it leaves um it, it leaves the kids just completely un- disarmed. Right. And because then, when in they... the case of this family here, um, they're sending the boys to public schools, mm-hmm. but they're keeping the girls home and homeschooling them. Essentially, really? did I read something? Isn't isn't that what you um, suggested? No, they're all homeschooled. I saw that. They're all of them, their brothers and their... Oh, I'm sorry. I, I got uh, somewhat um, confused there. But, you know, it, it doesn't change the fact that uh, most American families have a double standard as to what they uh, believe their boys and what they believe their girls should be doing. That's true. And it also doesn't change none of it. None of the pledges and uh, the ceremonies and the signings and everything. None of that changes the fact that, as you pointed out, humans were made to have sex with one another. Now, eventually, these girls who've taken these pledges and who know virtually nothing about sex are going to have a boyfriend, and they're going to be alone with that boy at some point. We don't know if he's taken any pledges. It's likely that he wants to get in her pants, and she's going to feel um, 
she's going to feel something. You know, there's going to be some sort of a drive. There's going to be, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of horniness going on. And uh, of course there is. she's not going to know how to react to that. When uh, when one thing leads to another, she's not going to know what to do, what the appropriate uh, precautions are to take. And in fact, uh, as it as it turns out, the majority of them break their pledges and engage in risky and unprotected sex. One study uh, found that 88 percent of these pledgers wind up having sex before marriage. Eighty-eight percent. Eighty-eight percent. I'm sure that's true. Unfortunately, these young people tend to, once they start having sex, to have more partners in a shorter period of time it's and because to use contraception much less than their non-pledging peers. It's because of that, um, that schism that occurs between them and their family because of this pledge in the first place. You know, now I'm a bad person. I've broken the pledge. Right. Well, you know, what do bad people do? They do bad things. I guess I better they just... keep it quiet. In fact, here, uh, the expert here... Rather than talking to their parents about, um, you know... B- they can't talk These to topics their They're frightened to death. Right. Uh, in fact, here the, uh, uh, the executive vice president for the Advocates for Youth, Deborah Hauser, says teens might pledge with the best of intention. Then as they break their pledges, they're so shamed and embarrassed, it's unlikely they'll go for help. Let's go to the phones and talk to Dale in New York. You're on Free Talk Live with the Mark. Hey, Dale. Hi. Hey, what's on your mind? Um, the, the pledge situation you're talking about. Yeah. It's, to me, it sounds like a, bu- a bunch of bunk. Because I have a 25-year-old daughter, a 23-year-old son, and then I have a very young son that's going to be 10 soon. Mm-hmm. And the way I dealt with my daughters, I told her the truth. I told her exactly how the world works. I told her exactly how American males operate. Because I was one. Sure. You still are, I think. And I, yeah. And I'm married, and I love my wife, and right. I'm, I'm settled. But, you know, I had to wait till I was about 30 years old to even think about being married, because I wasn't ready then. Mm-hmm. All this, all this, people like to hide their head in the sand about how the world operates. I don't, I don't play those games with my children. I and how did it help her? How did, how did the not playing those games help her growing up? Well, <clears throat> she actually told me before she went to college, you realize I'm not going to uh, wait till I'm 21 to, be, to lose my virginity. I said, you volunteered enough information? Thank you for sharing that with me. But she's been responsible. Unfortunately, oh, I wish we weren't. Hang on. I'm going to put you on hold. I want you to tell the story because I don't want to lose your cell phone. I want you to get in a better cell. 800-259-9231. What's the right way to address sexuality with your children? I don't think it's to ignore it. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. I'd give you the number, but uh, we're loaded with calls, so don't even bother. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features totally free. We'd like your support on a voluntary basis. We'd like you to vote for us. We'd like you to uh, go to vote.freetalklive.com. We'd like you to shop with us at store.freetalklive.com and amazon.freetalklive.com. And finally, we'd like you to become a Free Talk Live amplifier by going to amp.freetalklive.com. For three bucks a month, you can help support the show. It's a completely voluntary option. That's amp. FreeTalkLive.com. As we go back to Dale in New York, hopefully uh, Dale in a better cell area. Are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, great. Yeah, just we're talking about this weird concept called purity balls. It's uh, Christian fathers uh, essentially pledging with their daughters to uh, for them to not have sex before they get married. I say it's absolutely absurd. You had raised your you were going to give us an example um, from when you were raising your daughter and uh, as to how you essentially were honest with her about you know what sex is, what it's all about in America. And uh, she told you when she was going off to college that she wasn't going to wait until she was 21. 
you said essentially that's okay. What was the rest of that story? Well, anyway, she understood she had to protect herself because I made it clear to her that if she gets pregnant, for instance, her college career is over. And that seemed to sink in. Mm-hmm. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. okay. And um, she's done fine so far. You know, she's going to have a child on her terms. No STDs? Else. Huh? No STDs that you know of? No, no. Right. So you were straight up yes. with her, and and as a result, she's she's in a you know a, at least a relatively healthy relationship, no kids at twenty one, and uh, moving on with her life and and, she's and being twenty five now, right? She's, well, that's and she doesn't she's have still kids. Still starting yet. out her career. That's fantastic. That? that I I I just want to congratulate you for taking that tact with your daughter, uh, whether or not you believe in God. I mean, the whole religion thing isn't even an issue here. It's just right. common right. sense. I, and, and and I do I do believe, but you know. I just, I try to be a Christian, and I try to use the Christian values, but all the dogma, I've had it with it. I'm sick of hearing it. Thank because you, Dale. Because some people run around thinking they're superior. Thank you. I really appreciate the call. 1-800-259-9231. And the other implication is my my daughter is really only worth her chastity. What do you mean? Well, she's that's 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 what's the best thing about my daughter. Let's have a big ball to celebrate the fact that my daughter hasn't had sex yet. Now, let's have a big ball to celebrate what a great human being your daughter is, how wonderful she's, um, the things she's accomplished in her life, her wow. gymnastics, her school, or anything like that. Yeah. Let's not have a ball for her vagina. Wow, yeah, that's a great uh, way to break that down. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Let's go to Gene, the Christian anarchist in Tennessee. Gene, what do you think about all this? Hey, Ian. Hey, Gene, what's on your mind? The fountain of freedom and tolerance. <laughs> yes, sir. Except for... In one case, whenever somebody talks about religion or their religious beliefs, all of a sudden Ian gets that little sneer in his voice, and he gets that little talking down tone in his voice. <laughs> hey, wait a minute! I just we just talked to a religious guy now, a moment ago, and you, I agree with him. You go back, it. you go back and listen to your your tape of this show, and you're going to hear it just like I did. And you know what I'm talking this about? This isn't a shot against religion, Gene. It's a shot against <clears throat> insanity. It's a shot against religion every time religion comes up on your show. And you not are. fair at all, Gene. That's not and true. If you want to be religious, it's your business. Well, thank you. I'm glad you gave me that freedom. You already because had I, that I would, freedom. I'm just letting you know that's that how I feel. I freedom anyway. Okay. I'm just letting you know that's how I feel, Gene. But if people want to raise their children in a certain way... What what business is it of yours? Well, I'm a little bit concerned for their kids because they're going to go out and have Why? unprotected sex. They're going to get pregnant at an early age, and I think that that's, you know, it's not my business. I'm just talking out against it. I Why think it's are a you bad concerned choice. with it? Well, how about I talk out against homosexuality? You can do that. It's Free Talk Live. Go right I, ahead. I can do that, but you see, I don't. You don't hear me talking against homosexuality, do you? Well, that's good, because there's nothing, nothing because actually wrong with it's that. A, it's something called tolerance, Ian. Right. And maybe you need to learn a little bit of it. Now, I know of somebody who happened to have uh, come from another country where they don't necessarily believe in God. Mm-hmm. But in that country, which was a communist country, of course, I'm talking about China, they promote uh, non-promiscuality. Okay. And most of the girls there grow up virgins. My gosh, what a horrible concept. They're virgins. They go through college and keep their virginity. Can you imagine? And they don't even have a religion, Ian. Mm, imagine. It's, it's a social structure. 
and it promotes purity, and it helps to cut down on VD, and it mm -hmm. helps to cut down on unwanted pregnancies, and it cuts down on abortions. Now, unfortunately, in China, they also promote abortions, which is getting to be a real big problem over there now, because an awful lot of girls are getting abortions, and then they find out after they get married at 25 or 30, by golly, they can't have children. So the whole idea of holding yourself back for marriage is a darn good one. I don't and know if, if I agree promote with that. that you know, they I, can I can't it agree with communism. that. They can promote it through communism, or they can promote it through religion. Either way, how is it that it's a good idea, Gene? It. How is it's it that, not, that how could that be a good idea to hold yourself back for marriage when you could get married to somebody and then discover that you're completely sexually incompatible? It, it is a health issue that you cannot disprove. That promiscuity causes sexual uh, diseases. I'm not asking for. I'm not suggesting promiscuity at all. I'm suggesting that people be careful. You were careful. just talking about a girl banging with a rubber a little while ago. Or actually, you weren't. That was your partner there, talking about how it's much better for her to go out and get humped with a rubber than to hold herself. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going to go out and have sex, then you I don't should think be that was safe. the context that I was using it in. Being well, safe is different from said. being promiscuous. I, cer I certainly used a little bit more coarser language, but that's exactly what you were saying. I think I think I don't th I think that when you're talking about promiscuity, you're talking about just going out and just having sex on a whim. And I don't think that it, that takes into factor the safety issue, which I'm very concerned with, and I think is a huge issue that needs to that needs to be addressed. And I wish we had more time, Gene. But thank you for the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two. He hit that one out of the park. I've got to say. I mean, what do that you was mean? A, it was a great. It was a great call. Uh, what part? Well, you know, he held our feet to the call, fire but... on the uh, the religion issue. Um, right, it was a good call. I haven't attacked anybody's religion. All I'm saying is, look, young people mostly going to have sex, and this sets them up for failure. I don't care if it was... I, you know what? It just happens to be that these purity balls are put on by Christians. I would have talked about it if it was some sort of atheist thing. I think it's d bizarre, and I think it's a bad idea, and I'm not advocating promiscuity. I'm advocating that you be safe when you have sex. And I just think it's a bad idea to get involved in a marriage, which is, a, in many cases, a legal agreement between two people in a state government, before you've actually had some sort of physical contact. 1-800-259-9231. Uh, we got to roll through a bunch of calls here, very short periods of time, so try to make your points as brief as possible. As we go to Reb in Colorado, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Reb. You're right. The Jesus freaks in Querlaredo are <laughs> questionable, but in... <laughs> There's three of us here, Reb, Bob, and Scout. We found this website. It has something to do with what you're talking about, but it's called www.covert-systems.com. And uh, when you go to it, click on audio and body wire receivers because we got the victims of this kind of crime where they put together a fake tape. And one of the Jesus freaks, as a matter of fact, he claimed to be a victim of the crime also. What crime are you talking about? Eavesdropping. And we got the tape, and you look at this website, and you see how they put together an outfit out of Prescott Valley, Arizona, Ross and Associates, and all this stuff is criminal. But if you got a badge, 
you can get a hold of it. Nobody else. So this is some sort of a recording equipment. I'm sorry, we're short on time, but thank you for the call. Uh, some issue about recording equipment being available to uh, and Jesus freaks. It's bad. I don't understand it. Let's continue <laughs> with. Uh, let's go to Terry in Toronto. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, guys. Hey, Terry. Short I on time. To, okay, I just wanted to give you a little update from Toronto. Uh, recently, a survey came out, and 50 percent people said they would support a smoking ban in apartment buildings. Oh gosh. Yes. A survey. Crazy. Okay, that's going to empower the politicians. Uh, I'd expect you yeah. probably have uh, some legislation probably by next year on that one. Terry, thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231 is the number. No time for your calls, but we do have time for Matt in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hi, guys. Um, way back in hour one, you were talking to somebody, uh, Tim from Illinois, who lived near Kankakee. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm in Illinois. I'm not close to Kankakee, but I'm in the same general area. I know where it is, and I was interested in him getting in touch with me. Or me here's what I would here's what I would recommend: uh, go to local.freetalklive.com. There are 50 different sub forums, one for every single state in the in the country. Just post a message in there, looking for Tim or looking for others who are in my area, that sort of thing. That's going to be the best way. Those sub forums are going to be the best way for people in each individual state, in each area of each state, to get in touch with one another and to uh, to get together and 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 strategize about contacting local radio stations on behalf of Free Talk Live. Thanks for the call, and good luck with that, Matt. All right, it's been Ian here with you. And Mark. All right, whether you want to talk about sex or some sort of issue or whatever's on your mind, we'll be back tomorrow night online. In the meantime, in fact, we do have a sex issue for tomorrow night when Julia will be joining us. This is Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 